Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Between the Lines podcast with yours truly, Eric Schutzler. Covering a couple of topics today. First off, upcoming 2019-2020 season in the NBA breakout players. People you need to keep your eyes and your ears peeled out onto that television for. uh, Who you really think is going to be making a move here in the next season. And then after that, we're going to have a little fun with NBA superstar and movie star comps. So what you see typically with mock drafts or anything like that where an NBA player comes out and they compare him to a current NBA player. Today, we're going to be comparing NBA superstars to their like counterparts in the movie world. Stay tuned. All right, let's get to it. For the upcoming 2019-2020 NBA season, wanted to highlight a couple of breakout players I think are going to make a big step in this next season. First one I wanted to highlight um, is Miles Bridges. Unfortunately, Miles plays in Charlotte, which means that he has no legitimate chance of making it to the playoffs in the Eastern Conference now that Kemba has left the team and Michael Jordan, the supposed GOAT, is leaving it to be a complete wasteland in Charlotte. But for Miles, that is a kind of a good thing. Uh, the, Miles is going to get an opportunity now to be getting 30-plus minutes. He was right around 20 minutes per game last year. He's definitely going to get at, at least 10 minutes more per game starting at the three slot. Um, and I, I expect his numbers to go upwards of, I think last year he was going around eight points per game and averaging a couple rebounds um, off the bench. But I think in the starter role, um, it's pretty reasonable to assume that he'll be up to 13 points per game. Um, six rebounds per game, someone that's kind of stashable um, in terms of, you know, fantasy, fa- basketball, um, you know, dynasty kind of leagues, anything like that. Um, but I think the biggest thing as to why I really think that Miles is going to have a big year is his response to not making the all-rookie team um, after this last season. He went out on Twitter um, responding to a random fan that had said, you know, Miles Bridges got snubbed, what a bunch of bullshit, anything like that. And he responded back and said, I didn't get snubbed. I played like ass all year. Next year will be different. Um, this kind of a confidence and I, I will say also humbleness of, of being able to say that he didn't get snubbed and he just played like shit, which I wouldn't really agree with. I, I just don't think he got enough minutes. Um, but being able to come out and say that as well as kind of make a promise that he's going to step it up even more next year, I think um, I think he's one of those guys that you've got to put full confidence into. And um, fortunately, he's going to be getting as many minutes as he wants on a absolutely horrendous um, lottery-bound team in the Charlotte Hornets. My next one uh, is big baller brand Lonzo Ball himself. Uh, I think being outside of the Lakers system, being out of LA, out of the limelight is something that I really think Lonzo will thrive from. Um, I could go into it for hours and hours on the dynamic of of the Ball family with Ball as life, Ball in the family, anything like that. Their TV shows, all the things that they've done and and with LaMelo now coming into the NBA kind of scouting profile this next year. Um, I think it's a really good thing for Lonzo to be playing in a small market like New Orleans, playing alongside some really talented players, especially I think the biggest one as to what's going to be conducive to him really growing in this next year is going to be Drew Holiday. This is a combo guard that has evolved so much since coming into the league, whether it was his days in Philadelphia, his days down here in New Orleans, and and like their GM over there in New Orleans, David Griffin said, they think that, that Drew is on an MVP kind of caliber season this next year. I'll be interested to see if that happens, but regardless, I think the tandem of, of Lonzo and Drew Holiday in the backcourt in New Orleans is going to be 
absolutely unique defensively. I think it's going to be a stalwart defensively as well. Um, I think being out of the Lakers system, out from the eyes of of LeBron, and and more importantly for me was that when they brought in Rajon Rondo to that system, I think that veteran influence. You know, I think he's heralded as and as an amazing teammate, but. I think the expectation of Rondo playing games and taking minutes from Lonzo when he really needs to develop is something that I just don't think was conducive to the ability of Lonzo's development moving forward, and I think that held him back. Um, I think somebody to keep an eye on in terms of you know a fellow Laker draft pick, number two overall pick, um, D'Angelo Russell. Lonzo was a number two pick. D'Angelo Russell was a number two pick by the Lakers. Both of them traded, and D'Angelo then, as we know, became an all-star with the Nets. Um, and is now on the Golden State Warriors via sign and trade this offseason um, and has really, really turned himself into not only just a star in terms of talent, but um, a main stage um, kind of entity as well in terms of press and media. And I think Lonzo already has that. Uh, it's just really about putting it uh, on the floor with basketball. And, and do I think he's going to be an all-star this next season after being traded or anything like that? I'm not sure about that. I, I don't think that that's quite possible in the West, but um, I think lo- being in New Orleans with players like Drew Holiday with his friends Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, um, and and an amazing talent like Zion Williamson with some great veteran leadership and Derek Favors and J.J. Reddick coming in this offseason, I think just puts him in a really good spot for him to, in what really is kind of a do-or-die season for him as a starter in the league. Um, I think it really is putting a lot of pieces around him um, and takes some of the pressure off, even though, yes, it is do-or-die in terms of if he doesn't perform it's going to get really loud um, and that seat's going to get even hotter for Lonzo. Um, but I think having all of these pieces and, and being out of the limelight of LA media um, is going to be really helpful for him um, as a guy that I think has shied away from the media, obviously during his time, ever since being in the NBA. The next person that I'd really love to highlight um, is Jason Tatum. This comes as a surprise as it's not really a breakout. He, he kind of had a breakout year, his first season in the league, um, took a step back this last year. I think really from Kyrie, when you have a teammate that is going to be dribbling for 30 fucking minutes every single game and dribbling and dribbling and dribbling and waiting till four seconds left in the shot clock and chucking up a contested two or a fadeaway or a deep three, I think that's really not conducive to the way that Jason Tatum plays as a player. Um, and I know that you know some basketball critics or anything like that would come and say, well, you know, the Celtics came in this offseason and replaced Kyrie with Kemba, who's also a ball-dominant guard um, and is a very high-usage player. I think Kemba's just a more natural passer, and I think he's a little bit, um, I don't know if entitled is the right word, but um, I think Kyrie really cares about the shots and about him being the star, and I don't think that Kemba really has cared about that. He obviously cares about winning. That's why he walked away from Charlotte, who could have offered him more money, whether they were going to or not is another question, but easily could have offered him more money than the Celtics would have. Um, But I think Kemba's going to be more conducive to Jason moving forward this year. I think Gordon Hayward getting healthy on the Celtics is going to be helpful for them as well. Um, And then I think the addition of Ennis Cantor on the offensive end is going to be helpful as well as somebody that can grab offensive rebounds, pass it back out to Kemba, to Jason Tatum, to Jalen Brown on the the wings. And I think that's going to really open up a lot of things in in Brad Stevens' offense this year. Um, And I just think just as a whole – Jason's going to take another leap forward, um, you know, hopefully get to an all NBA um, kind of potential of what Danny Ainge and the guys saw in him that first season. And um, I'll come out and say it. I I really think that they're going to have a better year this year than last year in terms of not only regular season record, but 
finish. Uh, I, I see them at least in the Eastern Conference Finals, in my opinion, um, depending on seeding, of course. But I think in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I think it's possible for them to even sneak out of the East if, if they play really well as a team moving forward and that chemistry is there. Um, so I, I would definitely keep an eye on Jason Tatum um, in this next season to get close to you know over 20 points per game, five rebounds, five assists, um, kind of averaging you know, you know big numbers on that side. Um, and the last... Um, kind of big one for me, and then I'll, I'll add in a couple wild card uh, players as well that haven't really proved much, um, even though you know all of these guys so far that I've mentioned have proved. Um, but I wanted to also throw in some weird ones as well. But uh, my last one on that side is uh, to my, my guy from Seattle, um, DeJounte Murray. I remember uh, DeJounte playing on a, a, the rival high school of mine, um, and he played for Rainier Beach in Seattle, and they beat um, my high school in a game-winning bucket. Um, by one of his teammates um, and DeJounte even then you could tell was going to be a star um, this kid has talent written all over him um, it was such a bummer to see him tear his ACL this last season um, but I think this next season is just going to be extremely big for him in terms of the steps forward he's definitely fully healthy now he's had more than a full year to recover um, and I think he's going to come out come into really being the second star in San Antonio behind you know, DeMar DeRozan. I think he, he will become a ball-dominant guard on that side, him and DeMar working off well one another and feeding uh, L.A. LaMarcus Aldridge in the post. Um, and I would really expect him to be putting up 15 points per game, five rebounds, and five assists. Um, I think that's very achievable. That's, that's far above what he did, you know, his first season in the league. And then obviously missing um, a season as well kind of sets that back. But um, I think moving forward, he is a guy that is is really going to be making some waves this next season. And of all the names I listed, I think he is going to potentially have the biggest impact in terms of where the San Antonio Spurs will end up in the playoff standings. Um, I could see him legitimately making them, you know, a Western Conference um, home home court um, series team, you know, a top four seed moving forward, um, which is a lot to be said for how it how crazy and how wild the West is moving forward this year. Um, so definitely keep an eye on, on baby boy DeJounte Murray. Um, for my first wild card is Josh Jackson. Um, so if you don't know Josh, um, or if for any of you non-really hardcore NBA fans, Josh Jackson was heralded coming out two years ago from Kansas. This guy is a freak athlete, um, was number three pick overall to Phoenix, um, and, and really – Phoenix is one of the most dysfunctional and honestly just absolute clusterfuck of an organization. Robert Sauver is a joke of an owner. Um, they had a coach in Igor Kokoskov that last year spent one year with the team. And, and now they bring in Monty Williams, which I think is a fantastic hire um, from James Jones, their new general manager there. But um, they shipped out Josh Jackson for relatively nothing um, and shipped him out to Memphis. So, you know, if you didn't like one excuse me, disorganized franchise, Let's try Memphis and even just as disorganized franchise moving forward. I think the only saving grace for that is um, at the three slot at small forward, there really isn't any competition that I see in terms of really breaking through athleticism wise. What Josh is, if Josh can get his head on straight, obviously, you know, he went to Rolling Loud Festival this summer, um, getting arrested and had to be put into a program kind of. Um, to re not repent, but um, to, you know, kind of break down the misdemeanor charges, anything like that. So he spent a lot of his time this summer kind of dealing with, with legal issues. But I think if he can get his head on straight, you know, him taking minutes from guys like Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, who's extremely overpaid at around $10 million a year, who's proven really nothing and, and moves like a geriatric 
you know, G League player or you know, honestly a rec league player that's 50 years old. Um, no offense, but yes offense. I think that Josh is really going to have a great year, obviously, this year with, with John Morant, the new draft pick over in Memphis, and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., who I, I think also has is, is got to be on the list for a, a breakout player as well. Um, so I, I look forward to hopefully jo- Josh, you know, you, you'd like to see a young guy that's in his you know early 20s that is kind of at a make or break moment. Um, if it doesn't work in Memphis, he could easily find himself out of the league or struggling to even get minutes. So I really hope that, you know, this new fresh breath of air um, in Memphis, as opposed to being in Phoenix, is a new kind of scene for him and I think will be conducive for him moving forward. And, and that's why he's one of my wild cards. And then the last wild card, not as much for legal issues or kind of issues in the past of minutes or anything like that in terms of not getting enough or anything like that. Um, Anthony Simons um, over in Portland playing for the Trailblazers. Um, luckily for him, Seth Curry is not on the team anymore. Um, not t- going to be taking up minutes from that he could potentially have behind you know CJ McCollum or behind Dame in kind of a two guard set, anything like that. Um, he's been absolutely balling out this entire summer. Um, Neil O'Shea, um, their general manager over in Portland, speaks super highly of the kid. He, I think he literally just turned 20 years old. Um, he's one of those guys that, that came out of the league. I think he went to IMG Academy, didn't have a traditional college route, um, and kind of you know, fell into the late part of the first round, and, and Portland sweeped him up just like they did with Nasir Little this year out of UNC. Um, they kind of saw him as a, as a project, a development project, and I think – He's really just stepped it up ever since he's gotten into Portland. Um, I think that he's gone through the roof in terms of his conditioning, um, the way that he's going in and out of the gym, anything like that, of, of the reports that I'm reading on that kind of side. Um, I think him moving forward is going to be you know, a considerable player that can come off the bench and be a scorer um, and can be a facilitator down the line as well. Um, I, I think the only reason he's quote-unquote a wild card is that he literally has never gotten minutes consistently for for Portland comparatively to a guy like Josh Jackson, who I just mentioned, Josh at least got minutes on Phoenix. Um, Anthony literally got nothing. And and while it was his rookie season and he was viewed as a developmental player, we just haven't seen it. Um, I'm just hearing all these reports this summer. Um, and I've seen the talent, whether it be summer league, whether it be kind of the end of season last year, where he got some run rate and, and put down 30 points in a game in a real NBA game. Um, I think he has the potential. Um, I think if he gets the minutes, I think he's, he's a player that could really surprise some people moving forward this year. And with that, that wraps up our breakout players for the upcoming 2019-2020 season. Let's take a break before I come back with our very exciting NBA superstar movie star comparisons. Ooh, baby, let's get down to it. NBA superstar and movie star comparisons. Let's start off with the three god, the baby-faced assassin, Stephen Wardell Curry. You know, I feel kind of bad, I have to say this as a pre-qualifier, giving such attention to Steph Curry and not to his lovely wife, Aisha. If you didn't get that joke, you got to go to NBA Twitter or really just get out from under a rock because Aisha is so caught up in herself and... You know, I, I don't envy her in the position having to compete with Steph for attention, but I don't know, maybe just let him have his limelight. He gets made fun of enough as well. So, but back to the comparison. My comparison for Steph Curry is none other than the Wolf of Wall Street himself, Leonardo DiCaprio. The reason for this is that neither of these guys was fully respected even as they were really ascending in their careers. Leo, year after year, was snubbed for Oscars or 
was kind of made fun of or chided for not having an Oscar, not being not being a winner or not, you know, performing in the clutch per se. Kind of like what we've heard about Steph. You know, Steph is a unanimous MVP, the first to do it. So all the people hating on him can just go fuck themselves, honestly. Um, he, yes, has had some pretty rough finals moments, but as a whole, he is an extremely clutch and great player overall. So anyone that wants to dick ride on the, band, on the bandwagon or anything like that of saying Steph is not clutch or not a good player, you can kiss his rings and you can go fuck yourself, honestly. And that's how I feel. And that kind of energy, honestly, is captured in Leo DiCaprio's spirit as Jordan Belfort in The Wolf of Wall Street. Both supremely talented individuals that have now won on their top kind of ranking, but were obviously, um, you know, not fully respected in their careers um, to go throughout most of their lives. The next one for me would have to be Russell Westbrook. I struggled with this one at first. I think Russell's kind of a mysterious figure, um, but he's a very commanding and talented individual um, that once you see him on a screen, you just can't take your eyes off of it. You have to listen. You have to watch the explosiveness the mentality, the attitude, anything like that. And and really the first person that came to mind for me was Tom Hardy. Whether it be Tom Hardy's performances in Peaky Blinders um, and many different, many different performances that he's had on, on the silver screen, um, he's really so commanding as an actor. If you've seen him, um, it, it, it's, he's quite astonishing, it, just like Russell Westbrook. Um, you know, there's definitely flaws in his acting, whereas there's many, you know, perceived flaws in, in Russell Westbrook as well. Um, so I think those kind of two comparisons and the mysteriousness, but the commanding energy um, on the screen, um, you know, really draws that comparison there for me. Um, the next one, I have to go to his new teammate in Houston, uh, James Harden. Um, this one I had to just do something really based off the beard. Um, James definitely has personality, but the biggest part of his personality is his persona as the beard. Um, so I had to think of someone that didn't start with a beard in their career, and was successful, but then got a beard and got even more into the limelight. And the first one I thought of was John Krasinski. You know, seeing him from Jim in the office with no beard, baby-faced, amazing, amazing actor, one of my favorite shows, as well as every single 20-white-year-old kid, or excuse me, 20-year-old white kid, uh, they love The Office. And and Jim is obviously a transcendent char- character as well as Jim and Pam. Um, but John Krasinski now moving forward, whether it would be The Quiet Place, um, you know, Jack Ryan, um, a lot of the new kind of groundbreaking performances and things that he's moving forward with, in a beard, mind you. So that was my comparison really between the two. Um, two very, very loud kind of boisterous um, personalities on the screen with their new performances as, with a beard, but a little bit more meek when they did not have a beard. Um, the next one for me, I'm going to go to my guy, the King of the North, that now has decided to become the King of the Clips, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Kawhi is absolutely one of the most ominous, dark, in the shadows, and as we've seen this offseason, completely in the shadows, but pulling moves and is quite cunning behind the scenes. And I had to think of Killian Murphy from Peaky Blinders. Obviously one of my favorite shows. I've now mentioned two people from the show. But Killian Murphy is just one of those guys that, you know, he'll sleep with your woman and kind of like a James Bond-esque figure, probably why he's been mentioned as a potential new James Bond after Daniel Craig leaves. Um, But ominous, kind of dark behind the scenes, this brooding kind of almost depressive energy Um, and really just the mentality of I will slit your throat in the dark and not even think about it. Um, That coincides exactly when I think of Kawhi Leonard. 
Um, the next one on my list would be Mr. Joel Embiid himself. And I have to say, Joel is one of the funniest people. He takes a joke better than anybody else in the NBA. Um, and he's supremely talented. Um, so I wanted to think of someone that at their core is extremely funny, but truly is quite talented in their craft and doesn't get enough love for really what they do on, in this case, on the court and then for them on the screen. Um, so I thought of Steve Carell. Um, you know, obviously starting off in the office, 40-year-old version, a lot of comedic roles. Um, and then moving forward, um, his recent movie, I'm, I'm kind of blanking on the name now, but the one with Timothy uh, Chalamet where his, his son is, you know, a drug addict um, and is, is having issues and a very depressing movie, um, a very hard-hitting role, um, whether it be that or the big short, um, these kind of more drama and, you know, intense films um, where Steve really has proved his um, chops, not only from a comedic standpoint, being part of, you know, the frat pack or the rat pack or anything like that um, with the other boys of, of, of Will Ferrell and, and those guys and, and now becoming, you know, a silver screen star, you know, Oscar performance worthy individual. Um, Steve is, I think, a, a good comparison between the kind of funny and, and serious side, just like Joel. Um, the next one for me is Jimmy Butler. Um, J- Jimmy is a tough nail to crack. I think the biggest thing that you really think of is, you know, a late round draft pick. He was in the twenties out of Marquette. He comes from Tomball, Texas, a pretty small town. I believe it's, you know, an hour or so outside of Houston. I, you can check me on that if I'm wrong, but, uh, hopefully I'm right. Uh, but Halle Berry, um, also had a very difficult upbringing as well. Um, she really struggled at the beginning to kind of stick out initially in her career. Um, it took her until a bit later in, in towards her thirties. Um, to really stick out. And Jimmy was kind of the same way. Um, you know, early on in his Chicago days, obviously he got a lot of run with, with D Rose and um, some of the other guys, Taj Gibson and, and other guys and um, Joe and Noah amongst others um, in Chicago. But he really has started to, the further and further in his career, his star and his stardom has started to supplant, you know, even his talent to a point. Um, he, he truly is quite commanding. Um, and I think the comparison between him and Halle Berry is, is quite an apt one on that side. And now to go to the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going to start with Kevin Durant. Um, you know, I, I, it's really easy to take the petty approach and, and talk about people that are insecure or how Kevin is on Twitter or really worried about fans or anything like that. But instead, I really wanted to just focus on his talent um, and how such, he's such an undeniable force. Um, so the immediate person I thought of was Denzel Washington. Um, you know, Denzel, Independence Day, anything like that, across the board, a bunch of different movies on that kind of side. Um, he's such an undeniable force, and he's really transcendent. And I, I have to say, obviously, within, you know, the, the African-American community, um, as a star within that, he's so a heralded individual. Um, I think it's easy to compare maybe Denzel to LeBron as well. Um, but I just think the pure striking force and the talent over anything of Denzel is, is extremely intriguing to me. And that's, that's kind of why I draw the comparison between him and Kevin. Kevin is, is undoubtedly, in my opinion, the best scorer the NBA has ever seen. He is undeniably a seven foot freak of nature, absolutely beautiful to watch on the court, can shoot over every single player. Um, and that's why a lot of people are talking about how he tore his Achilles and maybe he won't be the same player. Shout out to you, Max Kellerman, always coming in with the hot takes that are complete bullshit. Um, even if Kevin Durant comes back as 70 to 80% of the player he was, he's still an all NBA talent. Um, he does not rely on his athleticism. 
Um, he can shoot over every single player. He can still be a shot blocking, a defender, anything like that, and move side to side and have mobility, even with it coming back from a torn Achilles. Um, so hopefully he's well on the way to even more success, just like his movie star comparison, Denzel Washington. And then I'm, I'm just going to pile on. Um, if you guys don't know, obviously, I'm a Celtics fan. I, I grew up in Seattle, um, and Boston was the other place I grew up as well. Um, so obviously with Seattle not having a basketball team, I have uh, a, a bit of a de facto Celtics fan. Um, and so seeing Kyrie leave the, the team that I root for after he kind of plagued them with such really inadequacy, in my opinion, if you watch that Milwaukee series, um, in the postseason, he, he didn't seem to give a fuck about anything that was going out on the court, um, just running around throwing up bullshit shots. I, I, I just remember his turnaround shot that he get barely scraped the net. Um, he's just all over the place at this point. Um, but the bigger thing for me is he's an extremely talented individual. I think the biggest thing for him is his, his mind can get in the way at times. And I know that he talks about mindfulness and meditation and anything like that. I think he's gone so far into that that it's almost counterintuitive to what really the core foundational um, treatment or core foundational teachings of what he's speaking about. Um, and so the comparison I have for him has to be Jim Carrey. Um, Jim has probably one of the t- most tumultuous personal lives I've ever seen. Um, if you don't know, obviously. Um, so many things have happened to the man in terms of significant others and, and suicide and his life and family and anything like that. I mean, I, I don't envy the things the man's gone through. Um, and he's definitely lost his mind a bit mentally. Um, and he's become, like Kyrie, a bit of a Twitter meme. I mean, if you haven't seen the Jim Carrey Fashion Week interview, uh, you need to go look it up. Uh, he talks about how we are not here. We are just energy. We are just an aura. None of this is real. None of this matters. That's right out of the Kyrie Irving playbook of mindfulness and meditation that none of us matter. And I think there's an element of that that is true, but they both take it to this extreme that it's like, all right, dude, like just chill the fuck out. And I don't know, what, what, who's your connect? Because you're clearly smoking way too much kush. You got to relax a little bit, my guy. Um, so obviously two very talented individuals, Jim Carrey, I mean, he gets made fun of a lot in terms of the things that he's done or kind of roles he's had in his career, but he's a very talented individual. Um, and you can't deny that, but yeah, both of them have lost their, their, their shit a little bit mentally. Um, the next one, um, after that, that I, I got to bring up is, is Oladipo, Victor Oladipo from the Indiana Pacers. Um, hopefully he's recovering from his, um, you know, his recent dislocation of his knee this past season. Um, but if you guys don't know, um, Victor has produced and recorded his own album. Um, he's an R&B singer. Um, you know, it's kind of falls along the trend of a lot of music, you know, kind of individuals. Most of them are, you know, hip hop and rap, like Damian Lillard, of who I'll chat about further. The Trailblazers are Marvin Bagley on the Kings or, you know, Iman Shumpert, other rappers and, and rappers in the past, like Kobe Bryant and Shaq. Um, but Oladipo is an R&B singer. He has an amazing voice. If you haven't listened to him, definitely go check him out. Um, so I had to figure out someone that's amazing and kind of their core foundational sport for, for Victor basketball, um, and then singing as well. So I had to get an actor that could sing and can act. And so the first one that came to mind for me was Hugh Jackman. Um, you know, Hugh Jackman has had, you know, a very great silver screen. Um, obviously, you know, the things that he's done as the Wolverine, um, Les Miserables, uh, was really, uh, I think, a 
a transcendent performance for him in terms of his singing potential. It really brought to the limelight the talent that he has on that end. But a lot of people don't know is that, you know, Hugh Jackman is, is a traditional actor in a sense that, you know, he'll actually do plays, he'll actually do screenwrites, anything like that, uh, as opposed to guys that are, are really doing, you know, screen material, anything like that, as opposed to, you know, a play environment, kind of like a, um, Dana Radcliffe? Yes, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe as well, um, much in the same grain. Um, so that was my comparison for Victor. Um, and then Damian Lillard, who I just mentioned. Um, you know, Dame, Dame time, um, if you haven't seen his celebration pointing to his watch, uh, he single-handedly ended the OKC Thunder. Uh, and I saw that he mentioned he did it for the city of Seattle. So I got to say, Dame, you are now the ruler of the Pacific Northwest. You rule Portland, all of Oregon, and you absolutely rule Seattle now until we have a team. We love you. Um, maybe not the Trailblazers, but we definitely love you. And thank you for ending the thunder with your shot. But your comparison for me, being that you're all business, um, really Robert De Niro, um, being all business, kind of cut your heart out mentality right down to it. No bullshit, um, you know, no qualms, anything like that. Um, and, and a dynamic individual as well. Obviously, Damian Lillard is an amazing scorer, amazing passer, a lot of different facets to his game. And I think there's a lot of facets to Robert as well. Um, you know, Meet the Fockers, kind of a comedic grain on that. Um, he's been in, in many dramas and in many hard-hitting kind of performances as well. So um, I think that kind of versatility um, and then just the demeanor of the two really matches off one another very well. Um, the next one is Greek Freak. Um, and... I, I had to do a little bit of a cop-out. I decided to, to purposely choose an international actor that I have a lot of love for, um, which is Christoph Waltz. Um, if you haven't seen Christoph Waltz in, in Django, um, in Spectre, um, in, in many films, I mean, he is one of, I believe he's Austrian, um, one of the most dynamic individuals in terms of an international actor talent. Um, and they just, they both captivate attention. When you hear Christoph Waltz, obviously it's partially the accent, partially his demeanor, his habit, his like kind of look. He looks like a guy that could be like either your IT kind of technical guy at a startup. Um, he also looks like obviously in Django, he could be a slave owner. So it's a big difference between the two of the kind of roles that he can play and, and the dynamic of, of what he looks like on a screen. Um, but he captivates attention. He, he really, really does. Um, and I think that's exactly what the Greek freak does. Giannis Attentacumbo is, is one of the most absolutely dynamic. He's, he's much like KD. He's not as good of a shooter, but um, his athleticism is through the roof. There's a reason he's called the Greek freak. Um, and so I think that was kind of my comparison um, for those two that I think makes a lot of sense from an international perspective, um, from Giannis being from Greece and then Christoph from, I believe, Austria. Hopefully I didn't get that wrong. Um, and then Zion, um, I have to do him as a superstar. He already is at that potential because of the Twitter age, Instagram, social media. Zion is transcendent. Um, even at a young age of 19 years old, um, being in a small market like New Orleans, it doesn't matter. The second this guy steps onto the court, he played nine minutes in the summer league and everyone was watching those games. People that don't give a flying fuck about the NBA are watching because they are hoping Zion's going to throw down a 360 or an off the backboard dunk or anything like that. And the dude is 6'8 and 285. I mean, he is just an absolutely astonishing athlete to look at. Um, but I had to choose someone that is relatively young as an actor with immense talent and still has not fully cemented their career or their legacy. And to me, that was Michael B. Jordan. Um, and I, that is no shade. I love Michael B. Jordan, one of my favorite um, 
one of my favorite young actors, obviously, you know, within Creed. Um, I love the movie The Awkward Moment with Miles Teller, Zac Efron, and, and Michael B. Jordan. Um, and then obviously his, his role within Black Panther as well. Um, he's still unproven to me. Um, I mean, Fruit, Fruitvale Station is why well, I have to mention that. Um, but he still has room to grow within his career. He's relatively young. He's good looking, like Zion's good looking. He's, he's captivating for an intention perspective. He's definitely someone that you know, is a Twitter sensation, an Instagram sensation, anything like that. And is a part of kind of that generation, even though he is much older than Zion. Um, I believe he's at least, I think he's 12 or 13 years older than Zion. I think he's in his early 30s. So, um, but wanted to fix somebody that's relatively young um, for that perspective. And I think uh, Michael B. Jordan, not to be confused with the gambling uh, Michael Jordan, who, if you don't know, I believe got his father killed. And I'm going to go out on the on wax saying that one. I'm not on ESPN or any of these pundits where they're not going to say that. But um, there's, there is definitely some theories and, and things out there like that. And, and I'm not one that's going to be knocking them down based off of the track record of Jordan being an extreme gambler. Quick little side note. But so not that Michael Jordan, uh, Michael B. Jordan, the younger, non-gambling, um, more wholesome version of him is who I compare Zion to. And then lastly... You thought I forgot. You really did. You thought I forgot about LeBron James, but I didn't. I just needed to choose who is the motherfucking goat of acting. And it really came to me. Meryl Streep. Every single thing she touches turns to gold. And whether you agree with the way that she's gone at Trump or any politician or anything like that and and has an active voice, and if you agree or disagree, I don't really give a fuck. In terms of her talent and the way that she presents herself, and the way that she is a really moving force for the community as a whole, I think that really coincides with what LeBron does. If you don't know about uh, LeBron's I Promise School um, in Akron, Ohio, where he's sending a bunch of kids that that really would not have a lot of opportunity to get out, like like LeBron and a lot of his friends um, that grew up in Akron, Ohio, and being able to give them free education, getting them into college, getting them to a, a further life in their in their kind of side. And, and Meryl Streep is, is somebody that is quite philanthropic um, and is absolutely spellbinding um, as an actress as well. So those are my comparisons for NBA to, uh, excuse me, NBA superstars and movie stars. Um, I know I've definitely left out a couple of superstars. I wanted to keep it somewhat brief. Um, if you have any others, please, please, please let me know. I'd love to know. I did this based off of basically who has a really transcendent kind of media image um, as an NBA player. Um, But yeah, hopefully you enjoyed. Uh, We will have some more coming for you in episode three of the Between the Lines podcast. And so we're looking forward to that and stay tuned. They say you got a girl. How you want me? How you want me when you got a girl?
Just keep him satisfied. Ooh. 